All right. What a blessing to have fellowship divine. To have God doing what He's doing in our lives. And You know, he, he made a church, but He gave the church all the right stuff. And uh, He gave us amplifiers to amplify my voice so that people in the back can hear it. And if the child next to you is fussing or talking, you still can hear me. Thanks, Bobby. So, but God has given us the tools to be triumphant. He didn't give us an excuse to be divided and fill the strife and, and all the confusion that's going on in the church. He never ordained that. And so, He's promised that He's going to bring us into a single body. Not because we tolerate lies. God don't tolerate lies. God don't tolerate lies. He just doesn't. Ananias and Sapphira died. They were part of the church of the living God. Am I right? And they sold a piece of property and they can sell that property for all they want. But they can't lie about what they sold it for. And they brought that price later to the apostle Peter's feet and he said to Ananias, how did the devil tempt you to do this? How did this come into your mind that you could lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost. Ghost of God. God knows these things. God knows stuff that we don't know. That's what we want. We want that Holy Spirit to illuminate and, and bring us into that place where we don't have anything to hide anymore. I had church in a little Kansas ski lodge when I came here. Think about that. How impossible is the church? Over there at Blue Mound, they had them a little mountain. They decided they were going to make snow and make little lifts and have a ski lodge. And it didn't work. Because you can make the snow, but you can't keep the daytime temperatures cool enough to keep the snow. You turn it to slush and then to wet and then to wet grass. Then to, it looks like people just slide down in the mud. It's like, man, yippee! But you have to rent them your skis because they're not going to bring their skis and put them down that uh, rough stuff. It'd been in disrepair and the people who owned it, uh, their daughter was in her 50s and she invited me to Kansas to live in her house. She wanted me here to do the ministry. That was God. God was doing that. And uh, I was praying, you know, God, you, you show me what to do. I know you sent me here and those people had come to the tent. And so they'd been asking me for a long time to move to Kansas and now I'm in Kansas. And I asked the woman, I said, hey, you guys, your family owns that ski lodge. I said, nobody uses it as well. My nephew uses it for beer parties. He's going to KU and once in a while he invite his friends over there. She said, but. I'll talk to my brother, and he said, yeah, man can rent it. I don't know what it was, $35 a month or something. <clears throat> Just tell him he's going to have to clean it up. We're not, we're not going to come in and clean it up after the parties. I said, sure. And I uh, had a bunch of cedar boards, and I, I don't know, those of you that were there at the old ski lodge, and I took those cedar boards and made a real pretty background behind the platform and put the cross up there, and, and we just started church and I had no furnace in the place so we got a big uh, wood burning stove and you could you could get people to church on time with the wood burning stove alone because if you were two rows away from it you were cold in fact people wanted swivel chairs so they could face me for a little while when that side got hot turn around face the other way, and people came to church. I mean, they came to church. We, we had some really blessed snowstorms, and we just came to church. God just, just blessed what He blessed. And I went over there one Sunday night. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night service. I went over there one Sunday night about an hour before church, and the whole back wall had blown down. It was just nailed up at the top and looked good like a good wall to me, but it just needed some work. And it, I found out it's laying down. So before church, I'm out there lifting up this wall and nailing nails all by myself. And when you're holding a wall and you, you tell yourself you should get up on a ladder, you, you, you'd have to question if you should really be in charge of a church. 
But I did it. And when church came around, it's like nobody could tell. It's like, wow. And God bless that place. I had this great dream that the, the, I was up there preaching and the, the church was full. And I looked out the front door and everybody I recognized is out there playing basketball and hula hoops and four square. And I'm thinking, if they're all out there, who's in here? And I looked around and I didn't recognize anybody in the church. And you know it wasn't very long. And that thing shifted around. Some woman had come in there and wanted to hear the gospel. And she had a big Bible study in her home, so she brought all those people into the church. And uh, she asked me one day, could she uh, get a list of the people that knew me out in Nebraska, in Kansas? I said, sure. She said, I, I grew up in Colby. Can, I, can you give me a list? I'm going to go out and meet my family. Well, she wasn't going to meet her family. She wanted to find out about me. She'd been so discouraged by preachers who didn't live right, she thought she'd better check my background. And the best way to do that is find out what your neighbors say about you. Woo, quiet, but this is true. So she went out there, and most people were all talking about how God moved and supernatural things. And, and actually, i, I got to tell you, by that time, they had honestly expanded the stories until I could hardly recognize what God did in that place because it was just... It was like uh, everything they could tell grand according to what they saw, they made it even grander. And so people were talking about these things. They said, we heard that you slaved people. Somebody came in there and was hateful to you, and they just fell down. And, and actually that did happen, but it wasn't that spectacular. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know that anybody knew how mad she was at me. But she'd been telling everybody there how mad she was at me. And she came up for prayer, and people were being slain in the Spirit. And she came up to see if that thing worked. I know that's what it was. You've heard me tell this testimony lots of times because I still love it. It's just one of those things that God doesn't. And, and I laid my hands on her and prayed. And I actually prayed against that binding of her mind that wouldn't let her receive. There's a thing that will stop you. You'll be in the presence of God and something in it doubts it and, and has all these questions about it. And, and uh, so that's what she was doing. Her husband would come through three nice voices. My wife had a dream. Uh, he said, can I talk to you about that dream? I said, sure. He said, Rush had a dream that there were snakes all over the floor of your tent. I said, yes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? She, I said, well, she said, I was up on the platform. He said, yeah. She said, all the snakes are down on the, you know, like where the people sat. I said, that's what I've come here to do. I've come here to challenge the lies of Satan and set these people free. That's what God sent me here to do. Boy, it ruffled his feathers, and home he went. And a couple nights later, they came every night. And she got there in that line. And I think you were there, Fred, that night. And, and uh, Bill Rudel. And, and I touched that woman. And then when I let my hands off her, the color drained from her face like she was on some sort of uh, elevated ride that was shooting her up and her blood was dropping down. And so much so that I said to her, are you all right? She looked at me like, put her hand on her hip, said, of course I'm all right. Turned around and fell flat on her face. She didn't put her hands out. She, she just put, ding, and bounced. I gasped. And I looked at Bill Rue. I said, you don't catch people when they fall. <laughs> he said, I didn't know she was going to fall. She said, she's all right. Mm, true. But you guys, that's what God does, yes? So she goes out there and visits all these people. Then she comes back and she goes, you know, she said, I, want to, I want to go pray a while. She said, you don't mind if I go down to your house in Arkansas and pray, do you? I said, there's a pattern of disbelief in here. I said, sure. Man, she went down there and, and those people knew that I lived all the time like I preached. They knew that. These people lived around me. I mean, I lived out in the country. And these people lived close to me. And God moved in that place. He moved in different churches and stuff. Most people just said, the man, the man preaches it just like it is. And he don't, make, he don't preach because he's making friends. He just preaches the truth because he believes that, that the only way to heaven is to believe the truth. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. So, man, she comes back. And, and then she starts telling me about all the people she's talked to. Trying to find out, was I? You guys, you know what? How about a real God that you could actually get in your prayer closet and ask him, is there something that the man needs? Because if God is moving like that, you guys, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. 
doesn't mean that I think I've arrived. It doesn't mean that I think everything's finished. It means that God's working on me. That's a good thing for me. But if you're worried about me, pray for me. That's a good thing, yes. I pray for you. I pray that God moves in your life, changes things like anything that they even try to set up to trap you. I just pray God set you free. So she said, I'm going to go down to church and start praying in the afternoon. Is that all right with you? I said, and I'll tell you what I thought of. There's a big black snake that lived in that building. And he killed mice and what have you. You know, black snakes are they're not dangerous. I hate them. They creep me out. I ran into him a couple of times. And I don't talk to snakes, but it just, I, was, I had such a Dylan Rush seeing his beady little eyes and surprised. But I actually told him, mm-mm, that's bad. This is bad to sneak up on me. If somebody had been there and thought, the man talks to snakes. I don't talk to snakes. I was talking to me, but I was warning the air. I said, no, no, big snake, listen, I, I know you're a black snake. I know you don't hurt anybody, but if any woman sees you in this church, I'm going to have to kill you. Do you get that? And he acted like he was watching me, because, but he wasn't paying any attention. She goes down there to pray, and man, here comes her car up the road. Stands into my driveway, and the first thing I thought of when she asked me could she go down and, and pray is the snake. Now, I didn't own the building, and it had been empty for a long time, and it was in a field. Now, I think you would get the idea. But she found that snake, and you know what I knew? I knew that superstition was going to take away everything that she could see. And that's why the Bible said, exercising our senses by using the Word of God. Use the Word of God to exercise our senses. What am I seeing? Black snake. I, I told her, I said, well, I'll go down and kill it. It was done. She was done. And she and all her friends left. And God brought in more people. He knew how many chairs I had. And that's exactly what He did. And those people that left were those people. And He filled that church back up. It, that's the love of God. The love of God says, this woman is going to leave. And you're going to feel terrible. Because you guys, somehow it feels like you are rejected. It's like you are kicked out of school because you don't make the standards. like, nah, you'll never be a Marine. It's, just, it's, it's like that sense of rejection. And that's what the devil likes to do with you. Except that if you're doing what God tells you to do, he just leads you past all the stuff. He just said, hey, they're leaving. These guys are coming. They're playing hula hoops. Go ahead. Let's have business. You do what I told you to do. And you guys, that's what God does best. But you'll never figure this stuff out on your own. Because some of the nicest looking people can be deceptive. But not in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God knows whether or not you're legitimate or not. God just knows. And he, he carries with us a long time. How many knows that's right? People came. They were furious. They came here to church quite a while. And he came and told me one day. Other man said, his son. said, you go tell Brother Rice that if he doesn't get rid of that person out of his church, we're going to quit coming. And uh, said he's, he's got a sexual spirit. He's, he's unclean. And I, I, I think you need to kick him out of the church. I, so the son came. He is in college to be a doctor. I, I told him, well, you tell your dad it's a hospital. I know that guy is sick. I know the man is sick. But where would you take somebody that, that is so defeated that they're going to die from their disease? Where would you take them except to the church of the living God? And that guy gave me so much grief. I could, I could have shot back a letter to that man and said, Man, am I glad you finally asked me to get rid of this guy. Because he's been a thorn in my flesh for so long, I, just, I, just, I can't wait to kick him out. I just told that son, Listen, you tell your dad, not my house, not my church. And if God's brought him here to fix him, I want God to fix him. But I tell you what, the Bible said, don't kick out even the tares. They could come to the church, but, but you guys, the truth is, the truth is, you've got to do what God tells you to do. The man was wealthy enough that he, he made his own church, hired his own pastor. And if he tells that pastor to get rid of somebody, that man gets rid of somebody. Yeah, well, see, that's not God. It's not God. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter how much you own. It doesn't matter if it's whether or not the will of God says you do this. You bring it. 
You bring in these people. I got something to go. Don't you go with me to the book of Titus? You're thinking, uh oh. We haven't even started the service. It's already 10 to 11 in Denver. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. So God tells us how to set the church in order. Titus has been won to Christ by Paul. And they've gone to the island of Crete. And uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a great assignment. Except the people there are totally unregenerated. And what Paul talks to Titus about is living right by God's righteousness. Standing on the doctrines of absolute truth. And not being persuaded by the success or failure of the things he sees. Just keep your eyes on God. But set the church up. Set it up to last a while. Set it up to be there. So, he starts off this way. <clears throat> Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant first, apostle. I'm a messenger. I carry a, I carry a message so important, I understand that I must run. I carry a message. I have a message inside of me. And you guys, when you're given a message by, by a government and you, you understand that you carry that message and it is imperative that you get it into the hands of someone faithful and can't let it be taken away from you. You, you have to defend and protect that, that message. You understand the hour that we're living in is that kind of an hour. The messages of God are being sent into the frontier regions of the church. We've got outposts of the church where people are in twos and threes praying and seeking for God to do something in their very life, in their very midst. And they, they understand that something isn't right with what the church did have, we don't have. And when you listen to what the church talks about now, it's not talking about where we're at. I understand that we are in an hour where God has opened up to pour out upon the country of the United States what we have sown and what we deserve, and we've thrown God out. You can't throw God out and not have the devil come in. We had the clearest picture of that when we got him out of schools. 1963, one woman threw God out of the schools. The Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, the highest court of this land, agreed that, that we should throw prayer out of the schools so her son isn't uh, affected by it. When I moved to Arkansas, they, my son Gary was a, a fifth grader. Same on the bus, off school he went. They opened the school in the morning with prayer in the name of Jesus. And uh, some people that were Jehovah's Witnesses complained. They said, go to a different school. So they took it to the school board. The school board said, eh, the principal is probably right. Just go to a different school. This won't hurt you. Pray in the name of Jesus won't hurt you. So, and they had Bible ladies that came in and, and taught salvation in the school. On school time. Yeah. Yeah, that's Arkansas. It's like, yeah, well, the laws of the land are like for the land. <laughs> but this is the Arkansas the last time we checked, and we're mountain folk. And that's just how they, that's just how they approach it. It's like, well, this is a matter of fact. It's like, well, drop the A-bomb. You know, whatever you think you're going to do, do it, do it big, do it fast. But we're still going to pray in the name of Jesus. We didn't come in here on a stick. We didn't come out of the swamp. And we believe we got an agenda from God to talk about Him. Amen. It's like, whoo, that's refreshing. Amen. See? The faint-hearted need not apply. Yeah. And then there are school districts that just bowed themselves down. Yes, Master. Yes, Master. And Paul's talking to Timothy. He said, you know what we're building here is we're building an opposition to that which is crumbling and decaying and destroying and killing man. There is a methodical, diabolical kingdom. And Satan is its king. It's its ruler. And he is using every kind of destructive thing he can to destroy humanity. And I have built a wall to stop that destruction. And you're it. 
And they're going to have to come through you to get to those people. And then there are some times in history that the church stood up and became a wall, and, and even the women became a fighting force for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the children yielded themselves to God wholeheartedly. And you guys, they, they, they protected and brought this protection on masses. And we began to have revivals. And a single man would show up on a horse and he would ride two or three days to get someplace. And he would get off that horse and he would, he would tie it up at the post and go into some little building. Four or five people would death. And by the end of the week, everybody in the community is there. The farmers are coming in from the fields. And the Spirit of God is moving on the people and He's changing hearts and lives. Factories are shut down in the east. Because the, the people who owned the factories, too many of the people were at church. They were at the reviving revival. And so the men who ran those factories gave up kings at some of those meetings. And the power and presence of God did something in their life. That was this nation. And there were people protected. And what we call nostalgic wasn't nostalgic. It was a presence of God that brought a tranquility to neighborhoods. And it wasn't the little soft lights running down under the, the canopy of green trees. It wasn't nice people having backyard barbecues and, and inviting each other over because they were friends. It was because God put a peace upon this nation because where godliness is, it exalts the people. Amen. And we were exalted in the eyes of the whole world. But then we, we began to be confronted by people that said, well, actually Christians are a little dumb. And they used all kinds of words to say it, but that was basically, you know, they're not smart enough. Christianity is a crutch. Are you kidding me? It's not a crutch. It's, it's a God who can reach down and swoop you up and carry you. And He doesn't just pick you up wounded. He heals you. And then He doesn't just set you down. He holds you till you're well, till you're whole, till you're mended, till those things inside of you are changed. That's the kind of God He is. He carried me through places too dark to even describe the passageway. And yet He knew how to get where He was going and retrieve for me those things that I needed even in me. That's the kind of God he is. So, Paul meets Titus. Titus meets Paul and, and he gives him these instructions. So, I want to talk just a moment. You know, according to the faith of God's elect. So, I want to go back to that same verse, right? Wow, how quickly we've moved. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. According to the faith of God's life. What he's talking about is those people that God saw how they lived and how they moved and how they acted. He elected them. He chose them. He said, well, many are called. But the way you've been acting, I'm choosing you. You guys, that's exactly what is done all the way through life. If you're, if you're a good student and you're, you're heading out to be uh, the best you can be at the things you do, you may want to be valedictorian of your class, but it's a choice. It's an election. You may want to be the homecoming queen, but it is an election. And so these things become evident to us. There's a, there's a, there's a place that you have to go for it. Prince Harry, is this the, the young prince that just got married? What's his name? Or was it? No, Harry didn't get married. Harry wished he got married. But there was this mother who drove past these castles and thought, oh, my dream's a dream. Wish one day I could go there. And then one day she was sitting across the table eating breakfast and looked at her daughter. And she could see this golden key. So she told her husband, look, I, I have this plan. And he's thinking ditzy. But he doesn't tell her. Brain dead. Doesn't say it. She said, I think we ought to put our, our daughter in the same school that William goes to. Uh, and I'm going to pay, I'm going to have to sell everything I own to do it. What, what, what's your plan? An education? No, my dear. I'm planning on visiting Buckingham Palace as part of the On to God. And this man who thinks straight said, honey, there are lots of mothers just like you and a lot of pretty girls. And I know my girl's the prettiest girl on the block. But the stretch is pretty wide. She said, well, nevertheless, let's put her in school and let her, you know. 
expect William's thought process. You know that mother's invited to a lot of dinners at Buckingham Palace. Do you know why she did that? Because she knew he would never, never meet her daughter. And she said, you cannot, you cannot get a relationship unless you have contact. You've got to have contact. Did it work well? Whew. Oh, come on, you guys. This thing worked magnificently. That girl just, I don't know what she did. But she went in there thinking, William, you're mine. <laughs> Mom sent me to school. For a Jew. Does that seem conniving? What do you think he thought when he found out she did that? <laughs> Let me see this. Say that to me again. No, I can't even say it. But you guys, relationship comes down to that kind of thing. What God is saying is, listen, I looked all over the earth and I want you to follow the faith that these people that I chose because they did something and I followed them, I elected them for my elect. See, we fight over what the elect is. The elect is well, the elect would be the Jews. No, no, the elect are the Gentiles, because Peter and, and Paul both called, uh, said, make your calling an election. Sure. Make your calling an election. Sure. So you've got to get the right school. And you've got to have the right plan. You get the right plan that you personally are going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that you're just going to sit on his lap. When somebody else comes in, you go, my lap. You know God's big enough. He just lets you do that. You know why? Because he's got a lap right over here. (laughs) While you're thinking you own the only lap, he's got someone else sitting. And he makes everybody know I love you the most. That's just how he talks to you. I guarantee you that Solomon had a thousand wives and concubines. Yes? Yes! Yes! A thousand wives and concubines. So, I guarantee you, he didn't, he didn't say, you know, I really like you. Now, what, what was your name again? You're not as pretty as girl number 98. Thank you, Tom. I preach this place absolutely stone quiet. We're all digesting the thousand concubines and wives. It's like, well, you guys, this is the thing about God. He's given us this picture about election, election. You and I want to get elected. Get to where he's at. Get to where he's at. And spend time with him. And then just, then just let his love overcome every thought you have of fear, doubt, or unbelief. What you aren't, what you can't be, where you don't belong. This girl was a commoner. Do you know what common means? Common. Do you know what a number eight common nail is? You do. <laughs> Am I right? So, the first time I was looking, I was, I was building something down in Arkansas, and I went to the hardware store, and I thought, common nails? That's what I want. That's what a common nail. But on the way home, I was thinking, well, maybe I should have got an uncommon nail. <laughs> maybe I should have got a number eight, can't bend it with a hammer nail. An invincible nail, a drive-it-deep nail, drive-it-just-your-way. You're not a carpenter. Don't pretend. Just get a, a spectacular nail. And my common nails prove to be pretty much common. But, guys, here's the thing. God is talking to me and you about this thing about, about I am watching the earth, and I have some people that I have elected to do the things I elected them to do, and here's the reason why not, because I thought they were better than anybody else. But they found out where I was watching and they came to play. They came to be serious. They came to run after me. 
And every time I turned around, I'd be running to find out who was the fastest. I'd turn around, and there they'd be breathless as they could be. But they were there. And I decided, you know what? I can't shake them off my tail. Opposition comes my way. Man, the world crucified me. I'm hanging on the cross looking at them. Man, these guys have all scattered. And 50 days later, they gathered together. 120 of them strong in an upper room. And this is my people. This is the people that I would elect. You know why? Because I sent out a message to them gathered to this place in a city so hostile to me that they no doubt believed that these people would kill them at a glance. And they came in their numbers, 120 of them. Out of the thousands in the myriads of Israel, 120 people gathered. Why? Because they wanted to get close. They wanted to get to that school because you can't get married to the prince. If you don't show up where the prince sees your face. It's like, here I am again. Here I am again. Here I am again. I'm here again. I'm here again. And the opposition blows people away. And out of the broken stuff and the, and the, the smoke clears and the shirts are all torn and tattered and the army looks like it, it couldn't rise up again. And there's just somebody out in the middle of this place where everything's been laid low, crawling up and getting up and then standing up. Just standing there just a second. It's like, <clears throat> are you all right? You're here, aren't you? You're here, aren't you? If you're here, I'm all right. If you're standing, I'm standing. You know, they're coming back. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, what I just learned in this last little deal. I'm a wiser soldier. I'm tougher than I was. I'm meaner than I should be. Bring it on. Bring it on. But don't you think that, I I wouldn't leave. Not now. Mm -mm. But there's just two of us. All the better reason for me to stay, yeah? Elect. Elect. Show up. Get close. Stay tight. Live it right. Find out from the Word of God your love and then hold on to that. That's the premise from which you do. Here's the thing. Because when the devil says, you know, you're wasting time getting elected. It's like, I'm not wasting my time. Because I know where he's at. He left me a message. He left me a message. Over here in Matthew. In fact, I can show you where he says that. Come unto me. Come unto me. A love note from God. And he told me, come unto to me. Are you kidding me? When I get discouraged, I go back to this love note and I write it out like a love note. I got this thing all folded up. I carry it in my pocket. Come unto me. Come unto me. This is like somebody pinned this to a tree. Look back. He blew me a kiss. And everything inside of me started running to read the message on the tree. When you have that that takes a hold of your heart and won't let go. And you hold on to Him because you won't let go. Because you're like Ruth. Don't bid me leave. Don't bid me leave. You are my God. And I am your people. Don't bid me go back. Don't bid me turn around. You are my inheritance. You're the reason I live. You're what I'm after. You want to get elected? You want to get elected? Ruth adopted God. I mean, she just adopted him. Say, well, she should have had papers. She should have had him tell her. No, no, no. She said, I'm not waiting for him to tell me. A Jewish man came into my country, looked me in the eye, said, Ruth, I want you to marry me. I became a partnership to this people who are triumphant and glorious, and I can't never go back to being a Moabite. I have tasted of that which is divine, and I have re-identified myself. And if the whole world hates me and my descendants, I want my children to hold on to God. And if they should end up in a concentration camp in Germany, I want them to write on the wall the love of God. If the oceans were ink and every stock a quill, if every man on earth was a scribe, to write the love of God would drain the oceans. On the wall of a concentration camp, it was a poet that wrote that, a Jewish poet wrote it back I think in the 1100s or maybe 1400s. But my child, in the worst extremity, of what the world could dish out, had a love affair with a God that transcended the moment, lived in the eternal, brought victory to the defeat. 
But what he wants is that you chase him. You chase him. Listen to me. Chase him. You know how to chase. Get your chase on for him. Get your chase off of everything else. Don't chase money. Don't chase jobs. Don't chase lands. Don't chase houses. Chase Jesus Christ. You want to get married? Get married. You want to get elected to this thing? Get elected. Let everything that means anything to anybody else mean nothing to you when you are seeking this prize. It is about living a life that is prepared for Him. That girl, I guarantee you, that girl did not go to school in raggy clothes looking dumpy. She didn't talk trash mouth and act like she was a gutter girl or a street girl or, or from the zone. Am I right? She didn't do rap in front of Him. He was looking for a lady and she was going to be the lady. Am I right? She knew what it was that was going to do that. She polished her nails. She, she acted like a lady in front of Him. She probably didn't even look at him. She probably didn't even look at him. But I tell you what, she got his attention. And that's what you want to know. God will pay attention to you. You want his attention. Just spend time with him. Run after him. Give until you can't give no more. Love till you can't love anymore. Love till you love with his love. That's what God's telling Timothy or Titus. He said, Titus, listen. What I want you to do is take the faith of the men who ran after me and the women who ran after me who chose me more than everything else. And I elected them. I put my election on them. And I know the hearts of men. I know the lives of what they do. I know what they think. I know where they are. I know where they're headed. I know what they want. And I chose them. You guys, I can't think of a better thing to happen in your life to have that note really come to you, to you believe it. He left that note for me. God so loved, God so loved me. Me, The world, yes, oh indeed, indeed He does. And that's a wonderful thing. But I have to accept it first for me. And that note is mine. If you need to get yourself a little love note thing, and write four or five scriptures in it, don't write down chapter and verse. Write it like you got it from a God who wrote it to you. And then just hung it out, put it in your hand. You walk past, there he was, put it in your hand, because that's what the Bible is. Every place you look, we look in the Bible looking for the things that he may think about us, and the truth is he's telling us, I love you. The blood never loses its power. You can't wash it away in rain. You can't, the wind can't blow it away. Listen, God has put inside of us this sense of belonging, but I cherish it. And when you love, you will get love back. Am I right? When you show love, when, the, when your motive is love. That girl's motive, I hope it was love. Her mother's motive, I don't think was love. <laughs> but I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be a prince that a girl ran down because her mother wanted to come to the palace. And neither does God. Neither does God. He wants you to just love Him. And that's why you're going to go through some hard stuff. That's why He tells you, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my well-being, the well-being of the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. Seek my righteousness. You know how to get noticed by a righteous God? Live righteous in an ungodly world. Live righteous in an ungodly world. You pick the words of the words of life out of the word of God and then live. And that's how you get noticed by God. Cornelius was an Italian. He was an Italian. But he took care of people. He was generous to people. He was kind. He fasted. He prayed, but he didn't believe he could ever be saved because the Jews had a lock on God. Notice? Notice? God told one of his angels, said, I love that guy. I love that guy. My disciples aren't going to the Italians. They're not going to the Gentiles anywhere. I told Peter to do it. Listen, I'll tell you what, you, you, send, a, you send a message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a message to this man. I'm going to write him a message because I have elected him. I've chosen him, this man, to be faithful to all his life. And I'm, I'm, you, you take him this message. God wrote out this message. That angel arrived and said, listen, there's a man on the street, cold street. You go get this man and he will tell you the words of life. You go get him. You find him. And he told him, and he sent three men to get him. Am I right? 
And then God tells Peter, there's three men at the gate, goes and don't ask any questions. Yeah? He said, his alms have come up before me for a memorial. I'm going to memorialize this? You know what a memorial is? It stands. And for generations, people look at it and they go, wow, I remember that fight. I remember that battle. I remember this stuff. I've heard about this. Eons ago, but it, it still enthralls me, the, the very picture of it. The Alamo is a memorial. Am I right? They kept that old Spanish mission. Why? Because it's an old Spanish mission? No, because men bled there, willing to fight to take Texas away from the people that owned it. I love that story. Because they owned it, yes? And then they paid for it with their blood. So that would make it sacred ground. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, here's the thing. But they have this memorial to it. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about Davy Crockett. Was he, good? was he there? Or was it Daniel Boone? Yeah. Bowie. I mean, you know. These guys, they, these guys just said, hey, there's several thousand of them. Okay, the odds are a little hot. So, let's send for help. Did they send for help? Yeah. But they were in a place that couldn't back out once the fighting started, am I right? No white flag. No white flag. And that's how you get a memorial. White flag surrenders never, never get a memorial. And the Church of Jesus Christ backed away from the world when the world said, yeah, well, we're tired of your, your condemnation. No. Condemnation brings repentance. How would I know what's wrong if someone don't tell me what's wrong? How would I know? You have to tell me. That's wrong. Oh, that's wrong. Then I can do differently. And that's what God's talking to you and me about. I want that election to be mine. I want you and me to value it that much. Well, that was the first verse. According to the faith of God's elect. According, let's do it according to the faith of God's elect. What, not, not, not what they hope for. That's not the kind of faith he's talking about. He's talking about what they believe. Their belief system is their faith. What, what, what faith are you? When people say, what faith are you? You don't tell them, great, strong faith. Mighty faith. You tell them you are non-denominational, Pentecostal, holiness, filled with the Holy Spirit, loving, kind, generous, what else? Oh, yeah. And we have a little church in Wilcompton. You can come. Everybody's welcome. We just don't have any signs. Signs are for the unbelievers. <laughs> but God brings unbelievers here, yeah. And He changes us. He makes something different out of us. But I want this I want this faith of those people that God chose to do what He said to do with it. In hope of eternal life? No. The faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. This isn't even a sermon. And this is just, you know, I just have to read chapter 1, verse 1, because you can't get down to chapter 2, verse 14 without going through this. Yes? Your hope of getting out here is dwindling. <laughs> but you guys, this is what he's telling Titus. He's going to leave him on the island of Crete, yes? And this is precious because th this guy is, is being offloaded by Paul to, to hold this island. It's like, hey, there's a lot of cities on it. And just offloads him. So stay here. And, and, and set up churches and win people and, and change this island. And one of their own poets said that they were, that they were uh, beasts. Oh, no, I said they were always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. I don't know about you, but anybody ever calls me slow belly? First off, I want to know what they mean by... <laughs> But it's your appetites. And they just feed on it all the time. Their own appetites. And, and 
Paul acknowledges this to Titus and he tells him, look, I'm leaving you to a place where people are liars. These guys are liars. They're all liars. You guys, that's a difficult place to work. And then he said, they're, they're, they're beasts. Oh, that's a comfort thought. This island doesn't seem like a, I mean, it's in a pretty place, but maybe that's why they're all on the island. And nobody's brought a boat to take them off. So he said, listen, what I want you to do is to acknowledge the truth which is after godliness. And is that going to confront these people there? Sure, no lying, no lying. Lying ain't going to work. Just because you're from this island and it's a tradition, you ain't going to do it. You guys, when I got to Honduras, I found out that, that taking things that didn't belong to you wasn't stealing. It was self-effective additional material acquisitioning. And I don't mean to offend anybody born in Honduras, Jeanette, Benjamin. But you guys, they don't let you park your car out on the road. You have to put your car in some place. When we first got there, I, I drove there from here in the car we were, or a van we were given to a pastor. And when we drove up, the man said, you've got a, you've got a van, you've got two vans. And this, Steve Curtis was with us, said, yes. And he said, hmm. he said just a minute, I'll, I'll go call my neighbor. So he calls the neighbor, hey, can we park your car or our van in your driver? You don't have a car? He said, sure, bring it on down. But you guys, they wouldn't leave it on the street. You put it inside of something. And so that's because people believe that acquisition stuff is good for them. But when a culture believes it's okay, they believe it's okay. And do you know the church there goes along with that kind of thinking? What Paul said is, look, let's address these issues about this, about this taking stuff and lying. Let's, let's, let's address these issues. You guys, that's some of the stuff we address in seminars in Honduras. If you were in Honduras with us, it was God talking about, you know what, you guys, this division is one critical thing. Lying is another critical thing. Being dishonest in the ministry, God ain't going to have it. And you may think, yes, but it's the only way I can get a new church. Listen, if your only way to get a new church is to do something illegal, you don't need a new church. You don't need a new church. These guys all met in homes, meet in homes. Better to meet in homes than it is to do this acquisition stuff where you steal from people. Do this stuff right. In hope of eternal life, if you hope in eternal life, you've got to, you've got to do this stuff right. Which God that cannot lie, see, He's God who cannot lie. So now He sends Titus on an island where people, everybody lies. Hmm. Liars. He's, he's among all these liars. And He just says, hey, and I, what you're going to tell these people is stop the lying. Now, how happy are you going to have at church? What kind of happy moments are you going to have? Because you're not going to confront it once. You're going to have to teach people what it means like that. So, well, this would be a lie too. Yeah, but this was an honest lie. No, that was a lie. Well, it was kind of sanctified because, you know, in a way, there was truth way, way in the back of it. No. Right? You can see how this is a, this is a, a sermon that can last for a long time. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching. So this is all contingent on what thing. What does this anchor on? You're hanging on the side of a cliff here. Am I right? And now He's telling you, anchor into this and it'll hold you. It cannot fail, cannot fall. What is it? The Word of God. The God who cannot, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching. Doesn't that seem like a like an easy thing to get rid of? Especially when the devil decides he's going to make all kinds of preachers. So the whole thing is, well, there's a whole lot of people preaching. So I'm not saying I need to stay here and have you tell me I should not lie. And God's talking to us about our sins. And He does that here at this church. And He talks to us about getting sidelined and sidetracked and, and detoured and everything else. And, and it, isn't, it didn't go down easy. And I'm not trying to, to create enemies. What I'm trying to do is create people that have this joy unspeakable full glory. And if I don't tell you what it is that gets you down the road the right direction, I'm not doing you right. And I can have a comfortable life because everybody thinks I'm the best guy on the planet, except that the Bible said that blessed am I if all men speak evil of me. Thank you, Beth. 
but hath in due times manifest his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. God come and gave a commandment for me to come here. He said, Titus, I'm telling you, God's given you a commandment to come here. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, said Ireland, that you should have set in order the things that are wanting. These people don't have any idea how to have church. I want you to set up church the way it ought to be. You guys, we're this need of that in this nation right now. We've got all kinds of buildings and all kinds of activity and all kinds of thinking, but we're not anchored in the truth and we're not following what God told us to do or this nation wouldn't be descending into apostasy. We wouldn't have problems that are destroying people. If you've got something that is destroying a nation, your churches are not preaching the truth. You can, you can tell the symptoms of the nation around you. Because when the church is doing this, it leads them away from that and brings the prosperity of God to it. When this nation was honoring God, we had prosperity. We've lost the prosperity. When we uh, had uh, that uh, testimony that we pleased God, God kept us and sustained us. We've always had rascals that wanted to be uh, in office to rule over people in every place, but I can tell you God sorted through the stuff and kept us and protected us. Listen, Paul is talking to, 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 yeah, to Titus about these things. He said, I left you there for this reason. You set this island in order. You set these people, give them an opportunity to go to heaven. Give them a chance. Set it in truth, anchored in that. Now listen, that you should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I appointed you. Get People that, that listen to what I'm saying and what I'm saying through you through the Word, get these people and make them the leaders to be parental over these other people, to watch out for them and protect them and to show them and talk to them. If any be blameless, wow, listen, how would you, this is a great idea. We're going to build the church on finding others that are blameless. That'd be, that'd be a tough go. So, well, we're going to get some elders, and all they have to do is be blameless. The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, he's on an island <laughs> that has a reputation that these people should have children that do not riot. Am I right? They're not unruly. They're not, they're not causing trouble. For And they use the word bishop in the, in the King James because it's, a translation thing. It's just if he wants to be a servant, someone who wants to serve God, must be blameless as the steward of God. Somebody that watches as a steward, watches over someone else's stuff. Am I right? As the steward of God, not self-willed. Not self-willed. I don't want, I don't want elders that know how to get self-willed in there and they, they get their own way. Man, you guys, the Christian Church in the United States has all kinds of elders that have their own way. And preachers have to dance at the end of a string, and the elders can fire them at will. Listen, not self-willed, not soon angry. Didn't say you couldn't ever get angry. You're dealing with people. <laughs> but we all laugh together. I love this, my humor. And Remember that. Not soon angry. They're given to wine. This could drive you to drinking. Because no, what he's telling you, what he's telling you is don't make your decisions when you have tainted your ability to think these things right. You stay clear-headed. You're making serious decisions. Don't, don't tank up and, and make a decision to build something people want. Listen. For this cause left I thee in Crete. Going back to this foundation, I left you there for this purpose. You guys, what is the purpose that God brought you here for? It's to draw you closer to Him. For you to understand, I could be elected. I could be part of the bride. I want to be in that number. I want to be in the bride. Yes. So I'm going to draw near to Him. I'm going to press into these things. And God knows how to bring us through that stuff to bring us into victory. Loving Him. Pressing after Him. This week, this week, making up your mind that 
You want to catch his eye in everything. You want God to notice you. You again? Oh, oh, you again? Not because you're doing mischief. <laughs> Not because light go on and you go, frozen in place. Ah. But because you realize that he recognizes that the want inside of you is real. And it is pure. It is genuine. It, it's, it's going to last. It's, it's not about whether or not everything goes smooth in your life. You guys, everybody loves smooth stuff. Everybody loves smooth stuff. Smooth stuff ain't going to get you into that place that you're one with Him because His life wasn't smooth. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. So if you keep showing up and everything around you is going uh, the wrong direction and you're being persecuted and, and your life seems like it's too costly all of a sudden, you guys, that's when you realize, you know what, this would be where He brought me. This is like my island of Crete. And if I'm on the island of Crete, I know what it is that he wants me to do. Here's where I'm at. And what I'm going to do is take this time that I'm here. Titus wasn't always on Crete. He was with Paul in lots of stuff. You go over to Acts, the 15th chapter, uh, and those people uh, decide that, the Jews decide that Titus needs to be circumcised. Yes? And Paul tells us, but he didn't do it. Because it would prove to them that we should go back underneath the law. Am I right? You go back and read that where, where Paul talks about Titus not being, he said, and neither was Titus compelled to be circumcised. Well, that would be an easy decision as an adult. It's like, <laughs> let me think. No. No, I decided no. But you guys, then your brain goes, well, now, Timothy, what did you think when Titus, when Paul said, I was proud of Titus because he didn't fall into their trap? Timothy's thinking, Paul, I fell into your trap. (laughs) But when you go read those two stories, you find out that that Paul understood that the Jewish people were watching what he was going to do with Timothy. They... they weren't telling him he better get circumcised or he won't. Because these people over there in, in Acts 15 are telling uh, Paul and Titus and everybody that's with Paul, you have to keep the law, boys. And you have to be circumcised. And if you're not circumcised, you're not in the kingdom. If you're not preaching circumcision, you're not in the kingdom. So now they've come down to an issue of absolute truth. And Timothy, he's already been down this road. He's looking at Titus like, up, wow. Titus isn't going to do it. And you know what Paul said? In this particular place, these guys were saying, you have to be circumcised to be in the kingdom. And if we yielded to that message, if we yielded to that message, we'd be validating their lie. We're not validating their lie. But I understand that there's a lot of people just thinking, hmm, Timothy is... uh, not circumcised. I wonder if Paul's going to take him. See, that's a different thing. Paul said, we're just going to clear this up. You're not commanding him to do this to be a Christian. You're just wondering, could he? So I'm just going to clean that up because you know what? I want you to be able to hear him and not be thinking your stupid stuff. Difference between doctrine being told you're going to do this and somebody saying, I wonder if that's, wonder if that's good. That's what God does to me and you. Brings us to those places of choice. So that's what he's doing in these things. You and I, I want to follow him. I'm sure Titus said, you know, Paul, if this would make me more of what God would want me to be, I'd gladly go through this. If this is what God's saying to do, I'm here to do it. Paul said, oh, no, we're not doing that. Because these guys are saying that this is the only way to go. And when you do it, every Christian in this place will have to be circumcised. And they're going to take this back as a bona fide fact that you and I believe this is true and I do not believe this is true. Paul said it is, it's of the heart, it's faith. And that's, and that's what Peter stood up and said. He said, you guys listen to me. What Paul is saying is right. He said, you know how God used me to go to Cornelius' house? And God who knows the hearts chose those people and filled them with the Holy Ghost, cleansing them by faith. God just did that work and filled them with the Holy Ghost spontaneously, instantly moving that fast into victory in those guys. 
So they didn't need to be. And I'm just going to tell you, those guys got the Holy Ghost without that. So, fuss if you will, fight if you want, believe what you do. But here's the thing. God did this a different way. And you guys, that's how we anchor our rock. This is what Paul was telling Titus. Find out what God elected men and what they were teaching. Find out what they're teaching. If God elected them, if God chose them, if God put his hand on life, you watch that. You listen to that. You follow that. And then you'll come to the right conclusions. Let's stand together. What a glorious God. And what a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. So, I don't think anybody in this place should leave without knowing that you personally get to make a choice about showing your fidelity and love to God. Just, I'm just going to tell him I love you. And you know what he said was, if you love me, keep my commandments. So it's like, okay, so I'm going to keep his commandments. And you guys, if you think it's ten, it's not. Bible's full of commandments. There's a commandment to be perfect. The commandments of Jesus are impossible without Him. The commandments of Jesus are impossible without Him. You can read it. And you can decide you're going to do it. I think I'll do this. And there'll be people tell you how to get perfect. That isn't it. You guys, Jesus was perfect and nobody even noticed. They, they accused him of the stupidest stuff, just like, just like the doctrines of men and the teachings of men do today. But you find righteousness. You find righteousness by God's standard because you walk and talk about him. Listen, if you are talking to God 20 times a day about what righteousness is and what he would want, he's going to know your voice. He's going to know you inside out. He's going to know your desires. If every time you come to him, you're saying, God, am I righteous in these things? God, is that what I'm doing? Am I, am I walk out? I, I want to please you. I, I just want my heart so connected. First off, I want to know you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And here's the thing. You show me what commandments to keep. Because I read these things. You, you said uh, to walk perfect, be perfect. Even your Father, which is heaven, is perfect. This commandment to me, I take it seriously. I cannot do that without the indwelling of your presence and the power of you changing the way I think. And you said that you would change my mind, that you would come inside of me with an incorruptible seed and grow a new man up. And I, I'm aware that the old man fights with the new man. I want the new man to have the power of life in me, this vessel that I am. I want the house clean. I want you to own it. Lock, stock, and barrel. And this old man that keeps causing trouble between us, I want the old man out of the way. You did it at Calvary. I want to walk above it and beyond it. That's what baptism really is. Very few people go down in a baptismal tank thinking, drowned this rotten flesh. Drowned it. Just hold me down, Pastor. I've never had anybody whisper that to me. Hold me down, brother, till the bubbles quit coming up. And when I'm wrestling, hold me down. Get some other brothers. Just hold me down till the old flesh is dead. That's the picture of what baptism was. Yes, buried with Christ. Buried with Christ so that you come out in newness of life. You've got to die to get a resurrection. Paul said, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. But that isn't what he said first. He said, I want to, I want to be made conformable unto His death. I want to fellowship with Him in His sufferings. You guys, that isn't being preached much anymore. When that's your creed, you write that down. I want to fellowship with Him and His sufferings. If He suffered, and I want to be in there with Him. It's like me and you together. And you guys, that's what God does to us. When you need somebody, that's what He is. He's the supply of that. And that's what this church wants to live like you and me. Just like that. God, we just praise Your great name. What glory it is to have Your love. What strength and purpose comes into our lives. God, I pray for every person here that this message will continue to move upon our hearts and lives. God, that everyone would leave here thinking, that is what I want. That's what I want. I want to I want to love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my body, all that's within me. I want to love God. That's just what it is. And I want to love my neighbors, myself. I want to love everybody around me. God, I want love. I want that love to overcome every obstacle that would slow down me, your church, our relationship. 
God, I received your note. I received your note on the tree of life. And God, when I read it, my heart leaped inside of me to see your signature at the bottom of the note addressed to me that you loved me. God, I've kept it. I've kept your note. I've kept our secret. I've kept the fact that I've lived my life because I knew you loved me like that. And I want everybody in this place to know that. God, I want everybody in this place to recognize the, the closeness and the personal note the personableness of everything you wrote in your word, that none of us will accept it as a chapter and verse in a book in the Bible. It is a love letter to us. It is a note. And God, there's people in this place that know scriptures that you have given them in hours of darkness that have meant a lot to them. God, I want them to go home and write it out in love letter form. Filling out the page, starting out, Dear... Darling daughter, I've loved you forever, and I've written you and your name on the palms of my hand. God, I want every person's place to find those verses, those scriptures, and to hold to it there. Put it in the Bible, in an envelope addressed to them from God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, that's all your Bible is. Bring it to that reality in every person in this place. God, anyone that thinks that they're defeated, anybody that's bound up by lies of sin, God, we agree together collectively right now. We bind you, Satan, in the name of the Lord. Any voice that would run contrary to the will of God in anybody's life, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Anybody that Satan is trying to to separate or, or turn around, we bind that in the name of Jesus. God, the world drawing and calling, we bind that in the name of Jesus. God, you said whatever be bound on earth will be bound in heaven. I believe that. Now, God, bind these things that would try to take your people out of your perfect will. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Anybody in this place discouraged, God, I pray that courage would come down on them. God, anybody in this place that needs a song, give them a song. God, that would turn these things around, make the difference of what you're doing in their life. We pray it in the righteous name of Jesus forever and ever. Complete in us these things. God, we want to be married to you, drawn to you fulfilling your will, God, in everything that you would have us do, God, watch over us, guide us, direct us, and protect us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Lord bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Go in peace. We'll see as the Lord permits.